Hey everybody and welcome back to Studs and Duds Sports. This is a very exciting season for us. This is our first baseball podcast. Normally those of you that listen to us listen to us for football. We have now branched out to Studs and Duds Sports, not just not just Studs and Duds football. Uh, Gorilla is not with me this week, but I have brought in the Bishop of Baseball, Dennis Bishop here with me. Dennis, how are you doing this morning? Very good, sir. How are you, Adam? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. Uh, for those that don't know, Dennis uh, Dennis has been a good friend of mine for a while. He uh, <laughs> probably knows more about baseball than just about anybody that I know. He's a pretty good baseball guru, if I do say so myself. So Dennis is going to be with us for the entire baseball season. Uh, we're going to start out our first podcast today talking about the American League and doing a preseason primer. Uh, Dennis, do you want to kick us off with the Yankees and the AL East? Get a couple yes, of questions. Adam. <laughs> Get a absolutely, of... absolutely. And uh, thank you for having me on. It's uh, always great to talk baseball and uh, bring more of it to uh, to more of the masses out there. So thank you for the opportunity. Um, you want to kick right in with the, the Yankees, everyone's favorite team to either love or hate. Uh, I, I like the aggressiveness. Um, right. <laughs> so. Basically, when I talk about uh, wins and losses, I just took last year's numbers and extrapolate them. Their winning percentages over the 162, just so we could keep some some kind of consistency. Um, obviously, the Yankees were the Yankees again. Um, didn't quite get it done. Fell to probably the second best team in baseball in the Rays. Uh, much on the power of uh, Randy Arozarena's. Uh, Ruthian postseason. Um, but all in all, still a pretty good season considering, again, struck by the injury bug to some of the the best players in the game. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, do you think that guys like Stanton and uh, some of the other big names, Aaron Judge, I think missed some time for them last year. Do you think those guys can stay healthy this year? Well, they, they absolutely can. Um you know, every guy is different. Uh, in Stan's case, you know, there's uh, th- this last basically post-steroid era where you kind of saw what happened to the body types once they weren't able to essentially inject themselves with the magic juice. Uh, you know, they went back down to sleeker, uh, more aerodynamic, basically body styles. Uh, but the desire to be strong, superhuman, uh, able to hit the ball 500 feet, that remains. However, you now wonder, without the added benefits of the PEDs, how much of that can a baseball player who runs around a field for 162 games a year, how does that really affect that? I, I really think that that's where we're at with guys like Stan or, or just Judge, who's just a giant human being. Um, that's, that's always going to be a concern, but these guys are true athletes. So I think, you know, they're getting, they're getting the big paydays. They're in the bright lights of New York. You got to give them a chance. You know, all you can do is hope because they are major assets. Um, now for the Yankees, there's never a lack of talent, especially with the bats. So 
The good news is they always have a Clint Frazier or Luke Voigt ready to step in and have what seems like a career year. And that's not just by accident. Uh, Cashman, for the flaws earlier in his regime under old George, uh, he has done a lot better of valuing the farm systems and holding on to those prospects. And now they've always got guys that can swing the bats and step in uh, it, it, to, to a guy like Clint Frazier, who finally seemed to make it work last year, almost to a fault, because this is a guy who now you're talking about a 26 year old former top five MLB pick uh, that's just now really starting to put together. Is that because he wasn't really given the opportunity? Did he have to mature? Was it a mixture of both? Um, either way, it works to the Yankees' benefit because this guy's arbitration clock is way behind what his talent level really is. Uh, and that just benefits the team, even though it means Clint's going to have to wait a little a bit longer for his payday. All right, so now we talked about a little bit about the Yankees' bats, and obviously they have plenty of guys that can step in and hit. But the big question for them this season is, do they have enough pitching to compete? Absolutely. Uh, that's, that, that's a big question. Um, you know, it, I think in hindsight, each passing year for the next, you know, half decade, the, the Garrett Cole signing is going to look so valuable for them because of the stuff that he brings. And we're, we're very quickly seeing $300 million contracts, uh, become not the norm yet, but quickly inflation is affecting those those future deals so the money they spent on him if he can give them the stability in the rotation with the bats that they can put together that is so important to their long-term success of just stabilizing things especially in that tiny park and just being able to to give the bats a chance to win games uh the guys they lost you know Hap, Paxton, Tanaka, Tanaka obviously the most celebrated of that group. Uh, I was quite surprised to see him leave. Um, but I can also understand the Yankees kind of stepping back. Um, they aren't throwing money around as freely. Um, so the replacements, you know, brought in Kluber, got Tyon. Uh, those do fit the mold of who they've gone with uh, as far as their past reclamation projects. But they really need the young kids. They need Clark Schmidt. They need Davy Crew, uh, Davy Garcia to step up and really kind of at least become a back end or swing men pieces over the course of the long season. All right, uh, moving on from the Evil Empire to who you kind of dubbed as the second best team in baseball last year, the Rays. Uh, do you think that a Rose Arena can actually continue his production from the postseason for a full season? Well. Nobody can do what he did over full season. However, uh, this is not, this wasn't a guy who was a complete nobody when they made the trade to get him. Uh, it looked like another, another case of Tampa Bay making a trade that looked unfavorable, but yet a few months later, it looks like a steal. Uh, they sent a very talented pitcher uh in Matthew Libertor to the Cardinals in that trade uh and usually that's not something you you would see very often 
uh, from a small market team is trading away their first round assets, especially when they get a guy who, by all accounts, fell probably about a dozen spots where he was projected to go at the very beginning of uh, his high school senior year. Um, but whereas Libertor's curveball has been rather uh, eye popping, the velocity has not held uh, the way it was projected to, at least not yet. So whereas if he was still with the Rays, he would probably be just another piece of about a half dozen uh, impressive arms. They were able to get a guy who had speed and power combinations that were off the charts. Like in both cases, his, his uh, exit velocities and his sprint speeds were in the top 10 percentile. So the guy had tools. Uh, he was a little bit under the radar, um, a little bit older for a prospect because he had uh, signed out of Cuba, but was not a, uh, a finished product when he did so. Uh, but there's going to be highlight plays there. Uh, I will not, I, I do not think he will be leading the offensive charge, but he is definitely good enough to give them uh, some highlight real ability that they can't often afford on the open market. Uh, there's, there's definitely some Andrew McCutcheon in that game and we will see if it, uh, we will see if it uh, rounds out, but just beware because Andrew McCutcheon was on the same career trajectory as Mookie Betts was right up until their age 27 season. So that's, it's very difficult to compare those kind of guys. <laughs> right. Uh, so a Rosarina, uh, we're not going to count on him to lead the offensive charge there in Tampa. Who can we count on and that offense to lead that, that charge? Well, I think uh, Austin Meadows has been swinging it a bit better. Uh, it's a, uh, I think the the usual sophomore slumps for some of the guys last year was expanded upon by the short season. Uh, by the time guys were getting towards what would be their their midseason swoon before making readjustments, uh, the season was over. I think that's uh, what happened to the Rays uh, bats, even though they they did make it to the World Series. The bats started to sputter a bit uh, down the stretch. And in the playoffs at times, I think that was a lot of what was happening. I'd be, I would have been very interested to see if it was a full season, what that matchup between the Dodgers and Rays would have looked like, because if the guys had had their chance to get into their, their stretch run groove, you know, I, I would have been curious if that offense could have hung out with the Dodgers a little bit more. Um, so I think Austin Meadows is going to have to, is going to have to step up. Uh, Obviously, they need to, uh, to get some more out of Brandon Lowe than he showed towards the end. Uh, he's He's got to be one of their top statistical players um, on a team that doesn't have many and goes with platoon matchups. That's a guy you need to have in your lineup. He's a guy that's got to be hitting that 30 home run plateau. Uh, but if he can, it'll be a solid group uh, of hitters that can uh, – help pave the way while they figure out what they're going to do on the pitching side. Right. And uh, some extra insurance may be coming through the farm system for them. When do you expect we might see Wander Franco come into play here for Tampa? 
I don't think it's going to be immediate. Um, I think, you know, they're, uh, they're, they're small market teams and then they're small market teams. And Tampa Bay, I mean, say what you will about the practice, the suppressing of the, the, the players' uh, arbitration clocks. This is the number one prospect in all of baseball. He's the only one that they're handing out potential 80 hit grades this side of uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. while still being able to play a premium position. Uh, they're going to want to make sure he's ready. Uh, you know, you can see a couple long blasts in spring training. It can get you drooling, but let's see kind of how he's put the bat on the ball for the entirety because he's really going to have to force his way on the team just being the economics of baseball. So he'll be up shortly, but it won't be immediate, I don't think. Um, they've got with with um, Willie Adamas, a superior defensive shortstop. Uh, we already talked about Lowe. You know, he, they, they've got a good case for keeping uh, the middle infielder on the farm, developing middle infield, because – he might not necessarily be automatically better than the two they already have up there. So I think he'll be very good. Uh, I just don't think we're going to see him at the start of the season. All right. Speaking of Vlad Jr., let's move on to the Jays. And the big question uh, for the Jays is, can Vlad Jr. change his launch angle? I know over the last couple of seasons, he's had a launch angle uh, around uh, 4.9 and 6 and somewhere between 10 and 30 is really where you get into that power type uh, groove. Do you think he can improve his ground ball and fly ball ratio this season with that different launch angle? I think he can. Uh, I guess kind of the question you start to get into is how much do you chase it? Uh, you can do a lot of damage with line drives, especially in hitter friendly ballparks. Like he will eventually get to call home uh, once uh, all of COVID is over and the Jays are welcome back to Canada. Um, but I don't know how much you want to chase that because he can power ball out of all fields. He can hit line drive home runs. Uh, you look at, you look at Keston Hira in the national league before him, you had, you had Kyle Schwarber where you have these powerful hitters who are very good at doing what they do. And yet they start searching for the more modern approach. And it's not like flipping on a switch. It doesn't work for everybody. So I don't want to see him do anything too drastic. He's already done a great job of getting in shape. Uh, he's probably dropped something like 60 or 70 pounds over the last two off seasons combined. Uh, you know, he's, uh, he's done, he, he's doing a very good job of basically playing the young professional. I'd like to see what he can do over a full season before he worries too much about tweaking things. Um, he can, he can absolute rocket the ball all over the, all over the outfield. So we will yeah, see. No. I, I have high hopes, but at the moment, I do think that the uh, the stock is up a little high on him. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, speaking of guys that can rocket the ball all over the playing field 
and also give a bunch of souvenirs in the stands. Uh, what about the rest of the Jays' offense? Is this an all-or-nothing offense or what? I wouldn't call it all-or-nothing, uh, but they are they are a modern lineup. They are looking to do damage, uh, and it's an absolutely stacked lineup from from top to bottom. I mean, right now you've still got uh, Jensen McGuire combo kind of like penciled in at catcher. They don't want to give Alejandro Kirk the job because before his call-up last year, you're talking about a high A guy, you know, but clearly he has the natural ability to hit the ball uh, and with authority. So if he can win uh, their confidence uh, being this, uh, this physically uncommon or unique, we'll say uh, five foot eight, 200 plus pound bowling ball uh, that can keep his defense in check for a couple more years that that has the ability to really put that offense over the top because Springer's going to be a load in Toronto. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez is coming into his own. Uh, Bo Bichette, that's going to be a massive upgrade. You know, you're looking for, you can get 150 games out of, out of Bo Bichette, uh, actually get him full season major league experience with, with that power speed combo. Uh, you're talking double digit runs on a consistent basis. So this is a very big offensive squad. And the fact that their pitching is being cobbled together, that's pretty much the story of the entire East division is you're talking about teams that are leaning on one ace and then cobbling things together. I don't know if I can recall a year where uh, the, the East, which often has, uh, this great list of teams followed by someone in a major rebuild uh, at any given time. Uh, but it seems like it's right down the case from, from Cole to, you know, assume, let's assume Eduardo is healthy in Boston. Uh, you got, you got that, you got, uh, you got now glass now, you know, headlining in Tampa Bay and then just filling the pieces in where they may. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen that before. Uh, in that division. So the, the fact that uh, you've got the the Jays sitting there trying to replace uh, a partial season from Taiwan Walker, uh, Schumacher was injured, uh, but you know, you're, you're bringing in similar guys like, like Matt's like Robbie Ray, you know, bringing in Yates to close. It's, it's definitely a throw darts and see, uh, see how close you can get to the bullseye. And with that offense, they've given themselves uh, a nice large target to hit. So at the end of the day, you've got the Yankees and the Rays that are probably going to be the two top contenders. Do you see the Jays being able to compete and maybe have an outside chance or a sleeper chance at the division? I think the Jays have a very good chance. I don't think they will outlast the Yankees through the course of the season. Um, but I think that they, they and the Rays will be chasing them uh, for a while. I think they'll slip by the Rays. I think the Rays will have a little bit of work to do, but if you look at their roster, you know, after, after the hit of losing, of losing Snell, of losing more. And uh, I think this is going to push them more into the thing that none of us really want to see, I think, which is them go even more bullpen dependent. Uh, you know, it's kind of a, it's kind of an odd kind of feeling that, you know, Blake Snell, 
he leaves he leaves the the World Series game to no one's no one's happiness on that one. Uh, and sure enough, you know, as we probably all expected, things happened the way they did. Uh, but then they utilize the opportunity to trade him for a young prospect hall, which I don't disagree with. I think it was a good, strong move, but uh, it looks like in addition to the single game effort of pulling Snell earlier than we traditional baseball fans would have liked to see. Now we also kind of did it as an homage in the off season where we're now trading Snell and we're going to be filling spots with some undersized uh, power arms like Luis Patino, who, you know, the only reason he may not be a top 10 overall prospect that they got in that trade. And he's pushed down more in the twenties and thirties is because there's some reliever risk due to his size. The, the Rays don't care about that. Um, they don't care about the fact that the other power pitcher they got Cole Wilcox, who was drafted this year, you're talking six foot five in uh, a blazing fastball slider combo. They don't care that he has a little bit of effort in that delivery because they are perfectly fine with those guys pitching three innings. Uh, so I think that's what you're going to see a lot of. I think you're going to see a lot of the, the additions, the Michael Wakas. Um, you're going to see those guys go out there. Uh, Rich Hill, uh, they got Archer back. I think you're going to go see them. They're only going to be asked to get through the lineup like one, one and a half times, and then they're going to bring in the power arms. So I think they can slip by the Jays. Uh, and then you're you're down to the Sox and Orioles. All right. Yeah, moving on to those Sox and Orioles. Uh, two teams that are obviously in rebuild mode. Uh, the Orioles will just kind of brush through them real quick. Uh, I mean, I was looking at a couple of <laughs> the uh, fantasy top 100s or 150s or whatever. I, I don't think I saw one Oriole in there. Uh, <laughs> there's probably not a whole lot to start with uh, early in the season there. But maybe are there any prospects we can look for that are going to might get called up later on in the season that can help our teams, uh, you know, guys we can watch list at this point? Well, right now, uh, so well, I'll just touch on their major league team first, just uh, because I do want to give some props to Trey Mancini uh, coming back from the colon cancer last year. Um, you know, he's saying all the right things, saying, you know, saying he's healthy, stuff like that. I think it's going to be more the grind of the season. We'll see how how he gets through that, but he is he he's a legit all star caliber player if he's healthy. Um, you know I I don't know if it if it plays around with the feel good story of his comeback and everything because he really does seem to enjoy Baltimore. Uh, he seems to be a kind of a guy that wants to be a cornerstone, uh, but this might be a situation where to put the finishing build the the finishing touches on the early stage rebuild, you got to trade that guy for a couple, a couple teenagers. Uh, if the opportunity to rise is mid season, um, they, they've done well with their rebuild. I think um, they do not get much help because uh, former, former management was not very well invested in Latin America. They're still feeling the effects of that. Uh, they are trying to, rectify that but because these guys are making handshake deals at the age of 12 or 13 uh and then officially signing at 16 or 17 it's not an easy turnaround uh you really have to 
you when you, when you have to get reestablished, it's going to take a half decade to do so. Um, so they do have one of the best prospects in baseball in Adley Rushman. Um, if if there's a guy that you're going to throw the type of superlatives as far as a Mike Piazza esque offensive force, it would be him. Uh, he's got both the hitting ability and raw power to go top of the charts, as well as an incredible baseball IQ. He will be a leader on that team uh, probably within the next year and a half. Um, I think they'll get him a full season of minor league ball. And this year, there's no sense to rush him. Uh, And then behind him, they've got guys that they committed to as teenagers, uh, teenage pitchers out of high school, uh, really, really start off as a, pitcher heavy rebuild um and two guys dl hall and grayson rodriguez uh they're nasty uh dl hall he's coming at you 96 97 uh tickling 99 from the left side with a big power slider a change up that'll work um he's got control issues as often young lefties with that kind of velocity do um but i think he's going to end up Worst case scenario, uh, worst case scenario, I think he's going to look like a, uh, a mid rotation piece and Grayson Rodriguez. He's very, very polished, but the, the velocity keeps going up. Uh, there's some physical comparisons to be made to a, a little bit of Zach, a little bit of, uh, uh, Verlander there. So the, the, the future, the future is bright. The, the, the rebuild is not done. Um, and I think it was a good, they kind of admit it as such because over the past offseason, they basically let go of Renato Nunez and Hanser Alberto. Uh, these are two guys who were mainstays in their lineup, and they just, they, they knew that they weren't going to affect the next rebuild, uh, and they basically let them go. So I think even though they showed some grit last year, um, management knows they're not close. So so they'll take a step back. They'll continue to develop the young guys. Um, but I think you will, if you're, if you're a prospect uh, hunter, they'll be an interesting team to watch because they should feature a lot of young talent this year. All right, and moving on to the second team in the division that has kind of a rebuild mode as well. And one that we're not really used to talking about in rebuild mode, the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, the, the Red Sox are in an interesting place. And I think, uh, you know, as you, as you see the massive contracts get handed out, um, as well as the questions about, uh, the, uh, the new CBA agreement, you know, what, what that fight's going to be like to start next year is next year going to start on time. Are they going to get, uh, the union and the, uh, owners gonna surprise us all by being on the same page out of the gate. Um, I'm not hopeful on that. But I do think you saw what the Red Sox is, is teams with money to burn uh, are no longer going out and paying for names like in the past. Uh, It's become much less of a paying for what you've done as opposed to what you're expected to do. Um, So I I think the Red Sox, what they're doing, it's not going to be uncommon going forward as the numbers crunchers continue to take over the teams with a lot of money are hiring, uh, are hiring, uh, 
basically management from the lower payroll teams who have shown that they can work miracles with small payrolls and they want them to do the same. It's, it's the same, it's the same thing that uh, the Dodgers did, uh, you know, also stealing from the Rays uh, management team. Uh, they, they will be back and in short order. Uh, I, I think when chain bloom got there, he wanted to do a rebuild. And he kind of had to wait to see what J.D. Martinez did with his opt-out. He opted back in. Uh, Then there was the Mookie Betts uh, trade. I think he wanted to start from from square one. But I think he got pushed back because of the Red Sox reputation and kind of how that looks whenever a major market team doesn't spend money. I think that they will be fine. I think that they will be a competitive team this year. Um, And then going forward for next year, I would expect for them to dip their toes in the free agent market pretty aggressively um, and reestablish themselves for what we're, what we're used to seeing. Uh, I still have a lot of hope for Chris sale. Uh, This is a guy who was on a hall of fame track before the elbow finally got out and he's a warrior that elbow that that jerky motion, that elbow, he had missed time for years going on the DL stints here and there to kind of kind of fight back the issues. And then last year, it, it made sense. It was the timing was right with the uh, what many considered to be a lost season, especially a year ago at this point when we we didn't know if we'd have any baseball. So I think that they will be back in short order. Uh, they could have a, a fun outfield. Uh, a lot of youth with Ver- Verdugo, Duran, uh, Franchi Cordero hits the ball in the top 5% of baseball as far as how hard he can hit that ball. Uh, he just has no game IQ whatsoever. So if they can, if they can uh, teach him that, if they can have some of that rub off from a guy like J.D. Martinez, uh, it would be a major coup. And your outfield would be back, basically, uh, very in very short order after – once having Bradley Jr., Benintendi, and Betts out there. Yeah, one intriguing name that they picked up this offseason was um, Hunter Renfro. And I know uh, we were talking about this a little bit earlier uh, before we came on the podcast, but I I was looking at his spray chart, and to me, everything this guy hits is going to be off the green monster. I mean, is this a match made in heaven (laughs) or what? Uh, It's it's definitely not a bad – under the radar move uh hunter renfro has been loaded with physical gifts uh since college uh he has not been able to consistently tap into them but he's surprisingly fast he's a very good outfielder uh and he too like franchi cordero uh can absolutely hammer the ball um he has had his issues with uh splits as far as uh the handiness of the pitchers, uh, but looking at what you're getting him for, uh, he could definitely fill the bill to give you a starting option who's a threat to go deep every time he steps up while also becoming a very strong fourth outfield option as the team improves, uh, a role which he did pretty well with the Rays. Um, you know, he it, it's a good signing, uh, and those are the – those are the small under-the-radar moves that people don't talk enough about, uh, but you need them to win championships. Yeah, exactly. Um, moving on to the 
that's going to wrap us for the AL East. Moving on to the AL Central. Uh, look at, let's kick this off with the uh, Chicago White Sox. I mean, this is a lineup full of basically MVP candidates. Do they have any weaknesses on this team? <laughs> well, uh, I'm curious what Adam Eaton is going to look like going back to that park. Uh, he wasn't exactly beloved the first time around. Uh, there were some some blowups, uh, I think, famously with uh, Adam LaRoche. Um, there was there was a lot of strong personalities on that team the last time he was there. Now it's a younger group. Uh, it's a hungry group. Uh, it's it's definitely an interesting an interesting move because he fits more of the elder statesman now. And if he can give them that kind of consistency that he brought to a championship nationals team just two years ago, uh, then it's a very solid pickup. Uh, but aside from that, no, I mean, it's, uh, it, it's basically, they haven't all reached their potential yet. Uh, it is still a lineup based on a lot of potential, but uh, you've got Tim Anderson, who's right now in the prime of his career. If Yon Mankata can join him, uh, you know, the, the biggest thing to me is I saw a stat, I think it was September 1st of last year, where up until that point, Luis Robert had a rather ridiculous slash line, especially for a guy that, that misses, that, that has so much swing and missing his game. Uh, he, he of having something like, uh, a 270, 330, 570 slash slash line. Uh, and then in September, September 1st, he was hit in the wrist by a pitch, uh, a day after laying out and kind of getting beat up on a dive attempt in the outfield. And he was absolutely putrid the rest of the season. So I think, uh, I, I think he's a guy that's going to really be the guy to make them go and bring all those pieces together because their pitching staff is now stacked. I mean, you've got Giolito as a legitimate Cy Young contender. You've got Lance Lynn and uh, Dallas Keuchel backing them up. And then you've got young arms uh, for days in that system. And a lot of it will be, uh, you know, w- when you look at, you got 300 mile an hour arms in Michael Kopech, Garrett Crochet, and uh, um, Dylan Cease. If they decide to go in a pure win now mode and send them to the bullpen as they develop, then you've got, you've got one of probably the hardest throwing bullpen uh, in all of baseball um, wrapped around a new closer in Liam Hendricks. So that's a very formidable rotation bullpen and offense. Uh, I don't think I put them above the twins yet, but they're definitely getting there with a wide open window to surpass them. All right. uh, Speaking of the twins, uh, I mean, obviously this looks like it's been the White Sox division all day long, but do you think the Twins can actually keep up in this uh, division here? They definitely can. Uh, they have the same they have the same offensive firepower. Um, it's not the same rotation depth. Um, but that said, uh, Jose Barrios has kind of been middling for like a year and a half now. Um if he can find an extra gear uh, and really finish off his development, you know, a pitcher with his caliber of stuff 
to go along with Kenta Maeda, what he did last year, uh, you know, all, almost out of spite proving that the Dodgers were wrong in saying that he, you know, he wasn't good enough to be uh, a full-time starting pitcher. Um, you know, those two make any series against them difficult because of the power of the bats behind them. Uh, when you've got a guy like Mitch Garver, who two years ago was, you know, one of one of perhaps the best hitting catchers in baseball, now penciled in as a potential bench role because he had a terrible he had a terrible shortened season last year. Um, you know that that that's depth. <laughs> that's major league depth right there. Uh, just as an example, so if you have Josh Donaldson uh, also put away his injury shortened year uh it's it's also a loaded lineup uh very similar in a way to the blue jays they will hit home runs and try to cobble things together behind uh, a superior arm or two all right uh let's move on to the indians who's kind of i feel like the indians are the in-between rebuild mode here they're kind of still have some pieces to try to compete they just moved Francisco Lindor. Um, I mean, do, who's going to replace Lindor in that lineup? Um, well, you're right about the Indians. Uh, I, I, I think it would be hard in recent history to come up with a team, uh, pretty much what, them and uh, them and the Rays, as far as who, who reloads with less money than the Indians and the Rays. Uh, this is this is going to be interesting because at the heart of all that success was Francisco Lindor, but the, the Mets did not get out of this trade cheaply. Um, ever since the day was made, I, I believe that the, the reason the Indians even got the players that they got was because they were willing to give up Carlos Carrasco. And now Carlos Carrasco has a sore elbow and we'll see if anything comes of that because if, you know, something happens and nobody wants to see it. Uh, injuries don't help the game. But if he was to go down injured for the year, uh, that trade is going to look even better uh, for the Indians. In Andres Jimenez, they have Lindor's immediate replacement on the field. Not quite the clubhouse, but when you look at all the factors, Jimenez has the potential to put the bat on the ball as well as Lindor. He's got at this point in the game, more speed than Lindor. He's as good a glove as Lindor. The only thing you're missing is the power. And Jimenez is a guy who you could project out to being a double-digit home run hitter. Uh, that may tick up because Cleveland is a hitter stadium. So if all of a sudden that ticks up to more the 12-15 realm, you know, now you're talking what's what's the difference between a 22 year old on a minimum contract versus our next 300 million dollar extension besides 15 home runs. So they they did very well uh, to get a guy with that much control for a one year player in Lindor who would basically be going through his, his swan song. Uh, that was big, and that uh, that doesn't even count the fact that if you look at Ahmed Rosario's splits, he's a completely different person outside of City Field. That is a very difficult field for young hitters 
that do not have natural plus or plus plus power to establish their power game. And Ahmed struggled with that. So it's very possible that the Indians could have found their starting shortstop and their starting center fielder by the midway point of 2021. Um, as well as a couple lottery tickets in, uh, in the two uh, recent draftees that they picked up in uh, Green and Wolf. One guy with, you know, 60 out of 80 grade speed and the other guy with a 60 out of 80 grade fastball, both of them with actual baseball abilities to go with those loud tools. So, so they did, they did much better than the media portrayed at the time. All right. Uh, moving on in the AL central, we've got the Kansas city Royals. I think I have up next. Uh, are these guys still in rebuild mode? Or are they actually ready to make some noise? I won't say they're ready to make some noise, but I always give them the respect of this is a team that they use their resources. Uh, after their World Series run, they threw out a couple extensions that, you know, maybe weren't the smartest thing as far as long-term longevity went. Uh, being what they were, they probably should have sold on Alex Gordon. You know, it might have been time, given the, given the body structure that Mike Moustakis has, it may have been time to sell high on Moose. Uh, they didn't. They kept those guys around, and unfortunately, the window was not long open. Um, and they've done kind of similar this year. They they aren't sitting back just waiting on on their their youngsters. Uh, they went out and they they acquired Benatendi. Uh, they acquired Carlos Santana. They got Michael Taylor, a nice little sleeper uh, in deep leagues because. Here's a guy that was kind of muscled out uh, by Victor Robles in Washington. Uh, whereas, you know, a year or two before Robles became a prospect name, Michael Taylor was getting the same type of hype. Uh, it's not really a stadium conducive to his lean, lanky power because um, you really have to be a masher to make noise in uh, Kauffman Stadium. But uh, that it's a nice little under the ring our pickup as far as an athletic guy who's got some pop plays defense runs real fast. Uh, they got Mike minor. Uh, they were the ones who picked up Hans Alberto from the Orioles. So they went out and they filled a major league roster instead of playing the old Astros and Cubs tank game. So I give them respect for that. They've got one of the most exciting young players uh, in the minors in Bobby Witt jr. Uh, he's already, launched a near 500 foot home run this spring. Um, he is, he, he is your rare commodity of electric tools and baseball IQ. So he's going to lead that. And then they were very aggressive about three years ago, uh, going after an entire stockpile of college pitchers in one draft. You've already seen two of them in, Chris Bubich and uh, Brady Singer last year. Uh, potentially, you've got guys who are even more talented sitting down waiting for their shot. Uh, Jackson Kowar uh, throws a little bit harder than Singer uh, with potential to have one of the better changeups in the game. Uh, they drafted Asa Lacey this year, who's just a dynamic power lefty out of Texas A&M 
uh, the kind of guy who could take that rotation, move everyone down a notch. And then it's even more impressive. Uh, and uh, Daniel Norris or Daniel Lynch, who uh, is another big, tall college pitcher, uh, was more of a finesse specialist at Virginia. Uh, his, his velocity was ticking up towards the end of his draft season. Uh, they took him, uh, they took him and they basically reworked him. And now he's a guy who can throw 96 to 99. So there's a lot of intrigue with that pitching staff, but they haven't ignored the offensive side of the ball to do so. A lot of, a lot of exciting names to keep an eye on here in this AL central division. Let's, let's move on to the Tigers. The Tigers are like in full blow it up mode right now. Uh, I mean, they still have (laughs) uh, Cabrera on their team. I don't know when he decides he wants to retire, but he's still hanging out there for the Tigers. But are they doing their rebuild right? And who should we keep an eye on on this team? I, I, this is this is one of those cases where the individual parts are very likable. Uh, with Miguel, if you look at his batted ball data, he's still hitting the ball very hard. Uh, and while while swinging and missing more by his standards it's not it's not a red flag as far as the 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 average league goes um he'll always be a personal favorite of mine i feel i I feel like this guy and Pujols were step for step uh the same player and while Pujols also failed to age gracefully um cabrera's was just it, it seemed to start four years earlier into his respective career, the injuries, uh, the, the tigers, uh, free spending when they were, they were playoff contenders catching up to them and basically getting rid of every contract that wasn't, uh, that, that wasn't, uh, Miguel, he's had no protection. Uh, he's had very little health. I would like to see their stud prospect uh, and number one overall pick, uh, Spencer Torkelson. I'd love it if he was on the fast track and could give Miguel the kind of protection that he got from Prince Fielder back in the day so that he isn't just limping around, uh, basically unable to get a chance to produce for the last couple of years as he kicks around till the end. Um, now Torkelson is like zero for 15 with nine strikeouts in his first spring training, but you know, th- that's to be taken with a grain of salt. This is w- one of the very top five power prospects in all of baseball. Um, like I said, they're very likable individuals. You can look at Casey Mize, Tariq Skubal, uh, and Matt Manning. These are the guys that they built a pitching heavy rebuild around. Um, the problem with pitching heavy rebuilds is you can't do it without the depth to go with it. Um, so now you have Mize, who's very up and down. You know, his velocity doesn't hold fantastic. Uh, he loses command. Uh, this is the guy who is the most dominant pitcher in his draft class. Um, and went number one because of it, but he just hasn't flipped the switch yet. Still very young, still too early to worry, 
But when you don't round out the rebuild, it becomes problematic. And that's where I think the Tigers find themselves is they're nowhere close. I think the Royals have established much better prospect depth than the Tigers have. Uh, so I wonder where where they're going to go because the Indians are very good at reloading. So they're never a pushover, uh, even when they do have to say goodbye to a beloved star. And the Twins and the White Sox uh, are, you know, are at the top of, you know, at the top of the hill right now. So, so I do not see great things coming from Detroit. Uh, I think it's going to take a new vision. Um, they're just not, they're just not targeting the type of athleticism to fill out the diamond in their rebuild. Their, their, their franchise player, Miguel Cabrera is a DH, you know, he can go out and play first to stay loose, but he's a DH Spencer Torkelson. It would be great if they could stretch him to third, but he's a first baseman and their next best hitting prospect, Riley green, very smooth, young bat, very uh, Jared Kelnick's a very popular name right now. He he's very Jared Kelnick like um, has that ability to hit is a pure hitter who can also hit 450 foot bombs while doing it but he's going to be a corner outfielder. So where is the elite up the middle talent that wins ball games coming from? I don't know. And I don't think it's anywhere close. Yeah. The other uh, problem you have with those pitcher heavy rebuilds or uh, you know, with those dominant pitching rebuilds is, and uh, we'll talk about a team that tried to do a lot of that next week with the Atlanta Braves if you miss on one or two of these guys, you have high draft picks that you basically, or lottery tickets as we like to call them, that you basically struck out on. And now you're two years behind where you thought you were in your rebuild. It's very true. I mean, there's only so much, it's, there's only so, so many places you can go uh, when you, when you go pitching. I mean, yeah, it's, and it's even better now than it used to be in the, in the old days uh, where nobody cared about any relief pitcher that wasn't your closer. <laughs> if you were banished to the pen, I mean, it was, uh, at least you were building your pension, uh, because your importance didn't seem to be much more than that of, uh, of a minor league or, or quad a player that you might call them on the taxi squad. But, uh, at least now bullpen pieces are getting their due respect. Um, so, but to do that, to do that, you have to usually still have a blazing fastball, and an elite secondary pitch. So if, if, if those don't come together, yeah, there's nowhere you can go. If you draft athletes, at least you can always move down the defensive spectrum. If you can't handle a position, you're able to provide more depth. Uh, you know, using the Tigers as an example, one guy they whiffed on, uh, his name's Derek Hill. He's a very athletic center fielder. If they gave him, 150 games in center field. He would probably be a top three gold glove candidate uh, for one of the gold glove outfield spots. Um, but he hasn't hit. Uh, he is having, I believe last I looked, he was having a decent spring. Uh, he's definitely developed, but uh, he's still, he's still behind the ball, but that's, that's a good example of, you know, this guy is still kicking around now. Now he's become like a 26 year oldish prospect, but he still flashes a brilliant glove at one of the most premium positions on the field. 
that'll keep him a job, you know, whether it's on the cusp of the major league roster or at some point on a major league roster. Uh, the arms, once the arms go bad, it's, it's difficult to reclaim those spots on rosters. Yeah, 100% agreed. Uh, let's move on to the AL West. Uh, I'm going to kick us off here with the Oakland Athletics. Uh, these, this team, when I was looking at their lineup, they have four guys that have 30-plus home run potential and not one position player projected to hit over 260. There's a lot of swing and miss in this lineup, isn't there? Well, that's A's baseball for you. Um, when I was growing up, uh, my, my National League team was the Mets. My American League team was the A's. Thank you, uh, Ricky Henderson, Jose Canseco, and Mark McGuire. Um, and I, I got off of that train after about 20 years because I couldn't take the Billy Bean baseball experience anymore. Uh, that is still what they play. They're still going to take pitches. They're going to take their walks. Um, at the end of the day, he was right. And that style overtook baseball. I, I don't know if it's a good thing or not, because while the game became more accessible uh, economically uh, with those new ways of doing things and, and being on the cutting edge, it also came at the price of becoming a more boring product with the three outcome hitters. Um, so I know time will tell whether Billy Bean uh, revolutionized the game or sent it down a spiral. Uh, but they still, they still play that kind of ball. Um, they do at least take defense more seriously than when I was a kid. Um, Matt Olson and uh, Matt Chapman, they are gold glovers. Matt Chapman is the American League Nolan Arnato, and they both hit the ball with great authority. I think you will see this year uh, a name that will probably be popping up high in fantasy leagues uh, will be Sean Murphy because he fits that mold to a T. Uh, he is a big collegiate catcher. He, uh, he is another one of those guys with a great eye at the plate, great power. He will swing and miss, but at this day and age, you have to wonder what, how much do you value swing and miss? Is, is he striking out? If he strikes out once per game, there's a lot of teams that will accept that. There's other teams like when the Astros were, were doing, uh, were doing their thing. Uh, the Red Sox doing their thing where, you know, I think they correctly put the onus on, hard contact without as much swing and miss uh, and, and blended hitters and power hitters better than some of the, the more sabermetric teams at the time. Uh, I think he's also got a cannon behind the plate. So you've got your two corners and home plate covered by guys who could be gold glove candidates while offering 30 home runs and 370 or better on base percentages. Um, that said, they have one of the worst farm systems in all of baseball. So you might have to start wondering, uh, I kind of wondered if, uh, if the Mets would go after Chapman, there apparently were talks. However, in fairness, the Mets did seem to talk to everybody this year. <laughs> um, so nothing came of that. It's going to take quite the haul, uh, you are talking about a guy who, unless he gets off to a bad first half of the season, this guy is going to require two of a team's top five prospects 
uh, because Oakland is another team that has been good about keeping value during their rebuilds and not going completely in the tank, you're going to need to give up uh, a major league ready player uh, and then probably a lottery ticket. So it's, it's an expensive purchase, uh, but this might be, this might be the year that the A's pull their usual Josh Donaldson type trade, uh, Rich Harden type trade uh, situation. So um, look out for that. If they keep the court together, uh, it's not a terribly difficult division. Uh, they would have no reason other than a faulty farm system to unload some of these guys at this juncture. Um, as long as they're willing to, to pay the oncoming arbitration raises. So that'll be the top thing to watch. They've got the, they've got offensive pop, they've got the defense and it's, it's just, uh, it's odd to see Oakland in this place where they now have a carousel of pitchers coming in every year because they have taken their, their assets and investments away from the volatility of pitching where they can. So, you know, it's not the team that used to put the big three up there and then replace the big three with another version of the big three. And then it did it again. This is where they're at is they're just putting guys out there to eat innings. You know, your, your, your fires type, uh, your Sean Manea types, uh, not lights out stuff, but consistent. They know the zone, they attack the zone and, Sometimes they'll get beat up and the offense might, uh, might save them. And then other days they're on and they're a real tough team to beat. Right. Uh, moving on to the Houston Astros. Look, did any team benefit more from the shortened COVID season than the Astros? Has everyone forgotten about the, I mean, have they finally shaken this cheater label that they got stuck with last year? Boy, I tell you, I, I tell you what it's, that's obviously, a question that has dominated part of me says that the best thing that could have happened for them was a full season where they could have faced those crowds, gotten it out of the way, been done with it. And instead it's almost as if now we're waiting for it to start up again, because it fueled the fire that they were not a good team yet made the playoffs. Um, I'm not against the discussion of expanded playoffs. I think this day and age, if you don't have a product that keeps everyone interested, you don't have a product. So I'm not opposed to it, but the Astros of course had to be the team <laughs> that of all of them probably didn't earn their way in and then did their usual Astros thing of enraging anybody that wasn't a fan of theirs. <laughs> so, um, so part of me thinks that, it would have been better for them to get the full season to, to let Altuve and Bregman uh, get enough of those games in where they get their, their, their sea legs under them. Let Correa kind of continue to figure things out because he's become, he's become quite the enigma. I mean, if you, if you, if you want to go by war, this is a guy who's right nip at the heels of, uh, of uh francisco lindor uh if if you want to look at like ops plus everything he's like not far behind francisco lindor uh a touch younger i mean this is a guy that uh he's he, he's having a big walk year away 
from being looked at is the same. However, you I wouldn't say it's unfair if you listed the immense amount of talent at shortstop in today's modern game. Uh, you might not see him list in a top seven. Uh, so it, he, he's, he's one of the most enigmatic players in the game. And is he going to have that big Manny Machado walk year? Uh, or is he going to kind of s- still scuffle with who he is as a hitter? Because the talent's there. Uh, and that's where we saw it again. It once the, once the, once the playoffs rolled around, the, the, the man likes the bright lights. I mean, if, if, if the Yankees decided to, to go after him, that would be, that would be a story to fill the, uh, the New York uh, sports pages for a month between the, the history between them, as well as the fact that Correa plays the best when people are watching. Right. Yeah. The new Mr. October in New York, if he's, if he goes there. Um, God help so, us. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously the Astros, they still have uh, Altuve. They still have Bergman. They still have Correa. Uh, who replaces George Springer in that lineup? Uh, nobody. Um, his was an underrated bat. Uh, I don't think there was enough. I, I, I think, I think uh, trash can gate uh, suppressed his value more than it should have. He's got great away splits. He doesn't need the small park. Uh, he doesn't need um, the control temperatures to hit a baseball. Um, you know, a lot of teams were kind of scared off by the fact that he's going to outgrow center field within a couple of years. But frankly, that's why that's why you trust your scouting and development is because if you give me three years of uh, an above average center fielder who can hit like he does, uh, then I'm telling my guys to go and secure us his replacement so we can move him to a corner when the time is right. Uh, I thought the Mets would end up winning that bid um, because I thought that their draft pick of Pete Crow Armstrong, who might be defensively ready to play in the major leagues and potentially be a top third defender as an 18 year old uh, gave them that leeway. Uh, It didn't happen in large part because it was, it's, it's a difficult mix of you've got two fan favorites in Nimmo and Conforto. Uh, To me, I think that's a, that's the kind of win now move you have to capitalize on. Uh, The Jays stay diligent in that they got them, took them, you know, Houston, I don't, I don't know what Houston's offers were looking like, um, but it never seemed like they were much of a player. Uh, it definitely seemed like like Springer wanted to come back east after being a, a star at UConn in college. Uh, definitely seemed like he wanted to come back to his roots. Um, don't know how much of it was to get away from the turmoil, but they definitely lost out, and now it's going to be up to Kyle Tucker who has shown flashes of brilliance um, being the next bat to fill that kind of role. Um, it, it's going to be up to him to take the next step and really become that leader of the outfield. Um, Jordan Alvarez is a major gain. They're going to need Jordan to bring the big bat that he flashed uh, his rookie year, but he's in no way or shape going to be, uh, reputable outfielder 
they're gonna have to protect his legs. Uh, it's first base or DH for him. So it's a way of uh, improving the lineup, but they will have to figure out how to make the pieces blend. Uh, there are hitters, but they're another team that, uh, you know, the, the farm system has taken a little bit of a hit with graduations, trades to stay competitive during their uh, World Series years, uh, as well as the penalties for, uh, for the, um, the trash can incident uh, taking picks away. Uh, all that goes in together and makes it tough for sustained success. All right. Well, we talked about Jordan Springer moving east. Let's talk about another East Coast guy that is out west, Mike Trout and the Mike Trout Los Angeles Angels. Uh, like we know, Trout's there. Pujols is gone. Uh, is there anyone else on this team, fantasy wise, uh, that we should keep an eye on, or is this just a all hands on Trout and then move on? No, it's uh, this is this is a team that's that's always it just. Maybe, maybe they spend too much time standing around and watching Trout, honestly, uh, because this is a team that you, you, you have teams where uh, the sum of the parts uh, is, not, it, it is not better for the whole. Uh, they, just haven't, they just haven't clicked. Um, Artie Moreno, had, you can't argue the man for spending money on players. Uh, he has gone out and gotten some of the biggest names. I mean, he's, he, he got Rendon to play third base. He put in a massive off offer for Garrett Cole. The Yankees won. Uh, that's not his fault. Um, but it's a team that they don't develop pitching. And when they do develop pitching, it seems like uh, they have some terrible luck as far as tragedy goes. I mean, Tyler Skaggs a couple of years ago, as soon as he's really putting it together, uh, he has his untimely passing and it wasn't too long before that, that Nick Aidenhart looked like the future ace of the staff. And he dies in a drunk driving accident where, uh, he was struck, not, not the one who was inebriated. Um, they but, went and got Tommy Hansen from Atlanta and he passed away untimely. Yep. It, it, it's uh, and this, it, this all kind of started with, uh, I forget his name, but that relief pitcher, uh, that blew the big, the big game against, uh, the Sox. Uh, back in the day and he he went down a depression spiral um it, it's been a thing it's just been a thing with the angels that's uh, morbid and unfortunate uh now there's plenty of work that they could be doing uh but i do think that they have been name shopping too much um they're trying to they're trying to put a good team together but one of the odd things that i find is that uh it's kind of like Mike Trout's favorite team growing up, the, the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm reminded of when everyone was wondering, what are they going to do to help McNabb? What are they going to do to help McNabb? They would never get him a receiver. <laughs> they would never get a great receiver until you saw what he did with Terrell Owens. I'm kind of, and then finally, they end up drafting his future replacement. One of the years where they're wondering, what are they going to do to help Donovan? I feel like it's kind of a similar situation with the angels because they keep drafting toolsy center field types. And yes, you can move to other, other areas of the field. You know, there's obviously trout can be flanked, but the fact of the matter is that uh, you're not giving him the pitching to keep games close uh, to get into the playoffs. Uh, it, it seems like they're more worried about finding his Uber athletic replacement. 
And you have Joe Adele, who struggled mightily last year. Um, I don't think that's a permanent thing. Uh, the guy is loaded up with, with tools. Uh, I think he will be a great power complement, but there's a lot of Justin Upton in his game. And it's just kind of, again, a striking similarity, similarity to the fact that Justin Upton has been weighing down the Angels books ever since he got there. Um, so you've got a whole lot of, of toolsy outfielders that haven't shown a ton of consistency. Uh, Brandon Marsh is another one who's coming up, but uh, he's going to get some run. He'll probably be up mid season. Um, and then Jordan Adams is a former wide receiver that was recruited by UNC. Uh, he is an absolute blazer, uh, but he is, he is all tools and no polish. So these are the guys that they've kind of been investing in. Um, we'll see, we'll see what they're able to pull out of their hats because they went with another group of retread pitchers this year. Um, Dylan Bundy did work out Matt Harvey and Julio Tahara, not so much. And so this year, when you've got kind of a similar thing going on, uh, you know, you wonder if they can get another Bundy out of the situation, it might end up, uh, it might end up working out for them, but you know, it's, it's, uh, it just seems like a little too late for them all every single year. Um, so we'll see what they do, but I'm, I'm expecting a middling team once again. All right. So we've got Oakland at top Astros possibly coming on, maybe making a surprise. Angels are going to be in the middle. We've got two teams that are in rebuild mode here. First, let's talk about the Texas Rangers. How is their rebuild going and who should we keep an eye on, on this team this season? I think you can draw parallels between these two rebuilds. I think you can draw parallels between uh, what Seattle is doing uh, and what they're doing and compare them to what the Royals and Detroit are doing in the central, the Mariners, they're on top of their rebuild. They've got that good mix of big bat names in the farm. And they've got a big mix of big arm pitchers. Uh, whereas the Rangers, they're kind of going that down that Detroit route where the vision hasn't really been realized. Uh, there's some good players in the system, but not enough. Uh, it's, it's not overly deep. They tried to go, they tried to go with a pitching heavy, uh, offering for over a couple drafts, but they got a lot of guys. I think, uh, I think it was three years ago. They drafted, uh, three high school pitchers rather high, I believe all three ended up having to have Tommy John surgery or be shut down uh, with shoulder issues. And this was after they, uh, they like to use a, a kind of a deloading program as far as they don't want the guys coming in. They don't want them ramping up after the layoff between the draft signing and actually getting out there. Uh, so they, they, they treat their pitchers with, kid gloves and so far it hasn't worked so those arms are just now starting to get to the point where they're starting to show their old stuff and meanwhile the offensive prospects they haven't been great either um leota Leodi tavares uh was their number one prospect for a couple of years and he got big league time last year 
And he looks like a, a nice athletic defensive first center fielder. Um, it's a nice piece, but that's a nice piece on a built team, not your number one prospect. Uh, right now, their number one prospect, Josh Jung, he's a very solid player all around, solid third baseman, uh, a hit over power, but the power has grown to where he might be able to get to 30 home runs. But they play in a giant new ballpark, and uh, – it's not going to be easy for these young players to get their, their footing uh, as far as the power goes. So I don't see this one as being a quick turnaround either. I think the best bet they got is they, they traded Elvis Andrews um, to the A's. Uh, they took Chris Davis off of the A's hands. Um, Chris Davis, Joey Gallo, uh, as well as their young catcher, uh, Sam Huff. These are three guys who have 40 home run, pure power. Um, Sam Huff is a young guy who he was their number one prospect last year. He will be a long-term fixture, but the other two, they've got to get these guys going so that they can trade them. They, they need to get something for their veterans. They can't just let them walk. They've got to at least do what they were able to do with Lance Lynn and unload the reclamation project for someone like a Dane Dunning, who can be a back end to mid rotation piece and is controllable for five more years or so. All right. So the, the Rangers will be definitely a team that we keep an eye on uh, as we get closer, uh, as the season moves on and we get closer to the trade deadline, we'll have to keep an eye on how Joey Gallo, and Chris Davis are doing as that time rolls around. Uh, let's talk about the other team doing the rebuild and the Mariners. I know we're kind of running low on time here, but let's talk about the big two outfield prospects. They have Taylor Trammell and Jared Kalanick. Uh, which of these two guys do you think is going to hit the big leagues first? And which of those two do you think have the most upside? Well, Taylor, Taylor Trammell is probably the third uh, outfield prospect. Julio Rodriguez is the other beast to keep an eye on uh, Taylor's having a very good spring. Uh, that's, that's why his name is popping up. He was uh, a gifted high school prospect, former football player type. Uh, he's been traded a few times. Uh, and part of that I'm sure is the fact that the tools have been more tantalizing uh, than the production, but at a very young stage. So uh, nothing, nothing uh, to be concerned about as far as he goes. Uh, he just doesn't have the upside and polish combination that Kellick and Rodriguez uh, Rodriguez have. Uh, those two, those two are going to be are going to be corner guys that can bring on a new era of AL West baseball. Um, Kellick, he he's uh, when he was drafted, uh, he he had the ability. I thought he he could have been the number one pick. Uh, he was, he was definitely good enough. He he's what, he's what you like when, when people say like, how do people put uh, pass on Mike Trout as long as they did in his draft? Uh, that's kind of how Kalnick looks. It's, it's a guy that's got current ability as well as future projection and is an absolute gym rat. Um, he's going, this is a guy who's probably going to hit 300. He's going to hit over 30 home runs. Uh, he slowed down. Um, that's kind of what makes Trout so special is even with that 
that boxy, that boxy body type. Uh, he's retained so much athleticism. Normal people don't do that. <laughs> so, so Kellenic is a similar situation of, of being a, a little bit more normal, a little bit more mortal like the rest of us, uh, is that he doesn't have the 30, the 30 stolen base speed anymore, uh, but he's still going to be a plus athlete. And he'll get moved to a corner outfield spot. He's got a howitzer for an arm, so it's not going to matter. But if Taylor Trammell, if he can uh, continue on with his strides, you've got an absolute stacked outfield situation with Kyle Lewis, who just won the American League Rookie of the Year in the shortened season, already manning a center field spot. And kind of like I said about Joey Gallo, uh, Mitch Hanniger is coming back from a, a, an array of injuries, but he's swinging the bat with more force than he ever has. So, you know, there, there's, there's not enough spots for as much talent, and that's, uh, that's always a good thing during a rebuild. So those guys, they got a kid, Noel Ve Marte, who it could be your next big body, big frame shortstop star. Very low, very low on the totem pole so far. He's young, um, but he's got the skills to be that kind of up the middle piece they need to continue the rebuild. And they've got, they've got three lights out, actually now four, four lights out arms in the majors and they're all pretty close. So they're definitely, they're definitely going to be a team to create a buzz. I think starting with the second half of this year. That's going to be a really exciting team to keep an eye on just to see who gets called up and how their prospects start developing uh, once they hit the majors for sure. Uh, It's kind of the opposite of the Rangers. As you said, you know, the Rangers were going to keep an eye on to see how their big pieces, you know, play out and maybe get traded at the deadline to help a contender. Whereas with the Mariners, uh, there's a lot of guys that we can kind of watch list in the first half of the season and see how they go, or maybe even draft these guys and stash them on your bench if you have room. So definitely some, uh, prospects and and whatnot to look for there uh that's gonna wrap it up for us uh for the al west and wrap it up for our entire american league preview for this week um we're gonna be back next week with a national league preview uh dennis anything you want to get off uh anything else you want to hit on before we take off here no i would say the only thing i'll say is that uh, if if i was to give some some basic uh summaries of kind of where I'm looking at teams. And I'm going to, I'm going to go just so for, just for, uh, uh, for memory purposes, we can look back. Uh, we can look back on this uh, at the end of the year and see, uh, see how close I was. I'm going to go with the, the Yanks winning the East. I'm going to go with the Jays getting a wild card spot. I'm going to go with, uh, let's see, let's go with the twins to win the central. We'll go with the white Sox getting the other spot. Uh, wild card spot, and we will say in the 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 West, it's like you you'll want to put the Astros up there, um, but I can't. <laughs> I I think the A's will hold serve. I think that the Astros just have too many questions and the depleted farm system. Uh, though the A's are in a similar spot, uh, you know. You know, I, I got to go with the A's, but the Mariners are going to make some noise. The Mariners, they've got the ability to get off to a good start, and they've got the prospect. They got the prospect depth to make a good a good trade at the deadline where they could get a piece that uh, 
that helps them both win now as well as has a few years of control. So, so I think they're going to make some noise. I don't think they can quite pull it off. Uh, I don't think the second wild card will be coming out of the, the West, but, but those, those will be my, my picks for, for the AL. All right. Uh, I guess I'll make some picks too, if we're doing this, uh, I'm yeah, going to go for it. <laughs> I'll take the, I guess I'm going to go with the Yankees, uh, to win the East. I think the Rays will probably be a wild card. Um, I like the white Sox for sure in the central, the twins will be close, but I think the Sox will be the better team overall. There, what do you get? Okay. You get two. You get these. Get two wild cards, right? You get two wild cards. It's been a yep. while since I watched. <laughs> uh, I like the Twins to be the wild card, and then out of the West, man. I, you know what? They've been so close. I, I feel like the Astros aren't are just going to kind of fall apart, and they're going to start feeling some of the. Uh, the losses with you know Springer leaving and some of the other guys leaving there, and they're gonna start feeling a little bit with some of the sanctions placed on them from the uh, trash can gate. Um, Oakland, you know, you kind of touched on it a little bit. You know, maybe this is the year that they blow it up and they move Matt Chapman and some other guys at the deadline. I think this is the Angels' year to win that division. Interesting. I, Interesting. I, I, they I definitely have the star power. They have the star power. If their star power plays with potential and they can get just enough out of that patchwork uh, pitching that they have there. I think they can win the division as long as Oakland blows it up at the deadline. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, we didn't touch on it, but I do like uh, Rysel Iglesias. They uh, acquired him to be their, uh, their new closer. Uh, definitely something that's been uh, a cobbled together, uh, a cobbled together spot on the the roster the last few years um almost since cambridge bedrosian looked like he was going to be the next big thing out there and then he just fell apart after a year at doing great work as a, a primary setup man but yeah uh they've definitely got the 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 name power and with the lack of the lack of pitching depth across many of the usual kind of cont- Tenders, uh, it, it would not be a shock. I and frankly, I I, I, I kind of hope for it. I would like to see uh, Trout get on the big stage during his prime a couple times. Yeah, I, I mean that's kind of uh, that's what I'm hoping for as well. I mean he's he's the best player in baseball. The guy's a generational player. I mean I, I can't see that he can't go his entire career with not playing on a big stage, especially in his prime. I mean he's just too good of a player for that, and hopefully. Uh, at the deadline, the Angels make some moves to, you know, hopefully they're close enough where they can make some moves and, and get him some help to push them just over the top. Absolutely. All right. Well, for Dennis, uh, this is Adam, we're going to be back next week with the NL preview. Uh, so catch us next week. Mm-hmm.